This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements and the stories that have been forgotten. How on earth can anything top 1993, which was last week's blockbuster year, really? It averaged 9.12. It got a 10 out of 10 from Chris. It got a 10 out of 10 from Sonal. You're going to want to rescind your 10 out of 10. Let's see. Let's find out if 1994 can somehow top it. Let's check in on some of the international stories that were making headlines from 94. A little-known company, by the way, of Amazon Mm. was founded back in the garages of Jeff Bezos in Bellevue, Washington, on July the 5th. It was founded under the startup name Cadabra. <laughs> I'm glad they changed it. Can't quite believe my former employers as well was founded. Yes, Yahoo. Wow. Can, have you got a fun fact about them? I do not. No other than the fact that they spent they employed billion, you. Well, they employed me, <laughs> yeah. That was the first mistake they made, but they made a few. And choosing not to be a search engine and going down the route of content, what were they thinking? Search engine all the way, Yahoo. The tale of two companies there, huh? Amazon and Yahoo. And who would have thought as well, Amazon, 1994. Talk about getting ahead of where the trends were headed. They set set up as an e-commerce, I think one of the first ever websites launched, certainly for e-commerce. And here they are. It's taken 2015. um, They uh, by 2015 they had uh, surpassed Walmart as the most valuable retailer in the United States. I mean, they've absolutely obliterated obliterated them now. This was also the year that the PS1 was launched. It sold 102 million consoles, and numerous versions of the PS1 were sold before finally ceasing production in 2004. Gran Turismo became the best-selling game for the PlayStation 1. And here's an interesting fact for you. The controller itself was groundbreaking because in the pre-PlayStation era, most consoles came with flat joypads. That's right. Now, Teu Goto, the creator of the PlayStation controller, felt that the controller's 3D design would match the 3D graphics of the games, which were in themselves groundbreaking. And quite a few of Sony's bigwigs hated the concept. But Goto got the Sony president, Naraya Oga, on side who coincidentally was a pilot and in turn liked the device because it reminded him of an aeroplane's controls. So it's fair to see he was the go-to guy when he was it came to all things. He was very good, Chris. <laughs> he was certainly the go-to guy. <laughs> the Sega Saturn was also launched that year. I got that as well. Didn't turn out to be as popular. No. Sega ultimately. Rally Championship. Big fan of that game. <laughs> you know, when you'd ghost, you'd set laps and you'd race against yourself. I did get that. My mum plumped for the Sega Saturn. Had it for 18 months, two years, and I just... Begged, borrowed, and steal. I didn't steal, uh, but I begged and borrowed until I managed to get a PlayStation. I think a couple of years later. Okay, um, the drama surrounding the OJ murder case ultimately would extend as far as the trial into 1995. Do you remember in 1995 it became the, the the trial that dominated headlines over in the US? But the saga actually started on the 13th of June in 1994, when both Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman were discovered dead and OJ Simpson was arraigned for the murders of those two individuals on the 20th of June. He was charged with two counts of murder on July the 13th. And then of course the infamous line, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. And they did of course. Because they made, and I've watched the That's a spoiler alert for 1995. That is, yeah, good point actually. Just in case, I'm pretty sure everyone is aware of the OJ Simpson case, but uh, there is a documentary about it and you know, the prosecution 
they fought they fought throughout the night whether they should make him try on that glove and ultimately it turned out to be one of the worst decisions that they made in the trial. Nelson Mandela was arguably the most famous person on the planet in 1994. He became the first black president of South Africa. He would then, of course, go on the following year to celebrate that triumph politically with the ultimate sporting triumph at the Rugby World Cup. And finally, British and Dutch astronomers discovered a galaxy of 100 billion stars. Not bad, is it? Better than finding a penny under your sofa. 100 billion stars. Who counted them? Yeah, not sure. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how they calculated that, but, uh, but that was a pretty good discovery. Let's get to movies. It was a banner year for movies. There's no doubt about that. We'll start, with, we'll start with a film that Chris might not be such a fan of. It was the top grosser of the year. I think you'll have to admit, Chris, that even if you don't like Disney, you've got to accept The Lion King is a decent addition to yeah. that back catalogue. Uh, I'm a fan. Take a listen. Scar! Brother, help me! So much better, I thought, than the one that came out a year or two yeah, ago. Absolutely, uh, which was obviously much higher up in the graphic ability, yeah. sort of effects, graphic special effects. But in terms of storytelling, it was just a rehash. It was actually The Lion King was the first Disney movie to feature an original storyline, um, one that was either not an adaption of a pre-existing story. Can you can you believe that? Nineteen ninety four. Before Disney guys actually started to do some work. Exactly. Or at least they're script writers. Exactly. This next film is, for me, a contender for my choice of the greatest film of all time. Thing is, Butch, right now, you got ability. But painful as it may be, ability don't last. And your days are just about over. But that's a fact of life your ass is going to have to get realistic about. That was the, the only clip I could find from Pulp Fiction that did not include a profanity. A conversation between Marcellus Wallace and Butch, yeah. played brilliantly by Bruce Willis. I mean, the dialogue in that film. I was just looking through some of the clips. Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Uma Thurman. What a cast. And just the way the story is told. You can actually watch the film chronologically kind of, because the narrative structure plays out of sequence. But if you break it down into the seven distinct sections, which is a prologue, an epilogue, two preludes and three large segments, you can chop it up and reorder it into a chronological narrative. Because, of course, it all happens in a weird, yeah. a weird way. But it was an amazing film. And it's actually made me want to, watch to go, go back and watch it. Just yeah. that last scene in the restaurant. Brilliant from Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. But speaking of potential goat movies, Chris, there was also this... I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. I mean, Mexico is way the hell down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. That's the way it is. It's down there, and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. What a movie. Shawshank Redemption, which on IMDb's top 250 actually holds the top spot based on viewer voting. It hasn't done with the critics as well as it's done 
with viewers, the, the audience members. Quite... The punters have acclaimed it as the greatest of all time. It's brilliant. But uh, critically acclaimed, probably not so much as films like The Godfather or Citizen yeah. Kane. Yeah, but again, it's one of those movies. I must have genuinely watched Shawshank about 30, 40 times. I still love it as much now watching it, having watched it umpteen times than I did the first time I watched it. It is a phenomenal movie. Uh, this film was an absolute tearjerker starring Tom Hanks of this year. And then in the desert, when the sun comes up, I couldn't tell where heaven stopped and the earth began. So beautiful. I wish I could have been there with you. You were. You've not seen that, have you? No, I have. You have, I, Forrest I have. Gump. I watched it last year during lockdown and all the rest of the nonsense that went on in the year 2020. Finally got round to watching it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Very, very good. It's quite a tearjerker, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You do get a bit emotional. A little lump in the throat. Um, Tom Hanks said that it was, and I quote, a crapshoot. He said that um, no one knew which way it was going to go. No one knew whether it was going to be popular or whether it was going to be a complete failure. There wasn't a sense that this was going to be a massive movie at all. He said that the great moments in it resonate depending on what age you are mm. when you're watching it. And I, I do think that there's a lot of later life stuff that sort of touches on the heartstrings as well. Gotta listen to this, Chris. <laughs> LAPD officer Jack Traven uh, and Annie Porter do their best to control a bus which is hurtling out of control. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? No. Are you insured? Yeah, why? He's the only solution. We just got a ransom demand from your terrorist. Says he's rigged the city bus. Where's Jack? Dennis Hopper and Keanu <laughs> yeah. Reeves. And this is a great little fact I found. The director, Jan Dubont. That would be a good pop quiz question, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, right. He wanted Keanu to look strong. He said, you got to cut your hair, mate. Because he, he was rocking the kind of long locks that he was showcasing in the Bill and Ted adventure movies. Yeah. And he said, listen... You need to emerge into the world of adult acting now. Chop that barnet. And he chopped the barnet. And he did. Good he on had him. that nice cropped look. That's right. And it for... did. Fair, fair play to him. It did make him look a little stronger. And he became a staple action star. Speed mm. was a good film. Come Spe on. Speed was great. Uh, yeah, Sandra Bullock in that film is brilliant in it as well. Another huge action hit was this one. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it's a Soviet Murph 6 from an SS-22 in launch vehicle. Curtis. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. Honey <laughs> again. True lies. And it was the year that we met Harry and Lloyd, Chris. <laughs> oh. What happened, Harry? Some little filly break your heart? No, it was a girl. Breda Belcher. I thought we were going to be together forever. <laughs> she give you any reason? Yeah, I called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's complete. Is there a sillier movie that's ever been made than Dumb and Dumber? But Dumb and Dumber is phenomenal. I, again, a movie I've watched loads and I still chuckle. It's so many great scenes in that movie. It was a monster year for Jim Carrey because not only did Dumb and Dumber come out, but so did Ace Ventura, Pet Detective and The Mask. What? Yeah. All in the same year. Prolific. Some more huge movies in 1994. Four Weddings and a Funeral, Natural Born Killers and Leon. 
seen that one? You know what, Rob? Natural Born Killers haven't seen Leon the Professional. Haven't you need seen. to see Leon. It's cult. Gary yeah. Oldman. Yeah, I know. But what a, a lineup of movies that is. Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> True Lies is a bit rascal, Rob, but Dumb and Dumber I'll get on board with. That's a heck of a lineup of movies, it's right? Brilliant. And you've got to say that's 10 out of 10 for movies. Okay, right. Let's move on to television because on September the 22nd, the first episode of a rather popular show aired, and this is a clip from that episode. I just feel like someone reached down my throat, grabbed my small intestine, pulled it out of my mouth, and tied it around my neck. Cookie? <laughs> Carol moved your stuff out today. Oh. I'll be fine, all right? Really, everyone, I hope she'll be very happy. No, you don't. No, I don't. To hell with her, she left me. That has not aged well when you're not watching the No, it's not, has it? It was originally called, I'm sure we've talked about this before, Insomnia Cafe. Correct. Thank God they changed the name yep. to Friends. And um, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I'm a live-action superhero TV series, premiered on the Fox Kids Network. Great. And some of the other TV shows that were launched in 1994, ER. Nah, never did it for me. Babylon 5. Nope. The Vicar of Dibley? Mm, no, <laughs> that was with Terry's Chocolate Orange, Don French. Ellen was another popular ah. TV show, but it's fair to say that Friends really Friends. stole the show. I mean, the oh. fact that Friends launched that year, surely that's an, e an instant point on the ledger of 1994. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. What a year. Let's, for arguably the greatest TV show ever made. Let's move on to music. It was really the rise of the Britpop era, and dance music was continuing to flourish as well. The Real McCoy... <sighs> were a dance trio formed in Berlin uh, the previous year in 1993. Two female dance singers and a male rapper. And this particular song became a huge hit in European dance clubs and a number two in the UK when it was reissued as a single. This is age, Chris. I still love it. <laughs> Every now and again, this will click up on my YouTube, Rob, and I will listen to this on a Friday night. It, it's, it's definitely an old-school classic, right? It's brilliant is what it is for a certain demographic out there. Yeah, you can still get on board with it. All right, another night from The Real McCoy. The group went on to have hits with Run Away and Come and Get Your Love. Run Away. This is a song that we've actually featured on the show before. It went straight in at number one on the UK charts. Wigfield herself became the first female artist to go directly to number one in the UK with a debut single. It's Saturday night. to listen through it now <laughs> frankly we did say it, well yeah at the time it was a bit annoying as well but this captured the imagination of the uh, particularly the british public they loved Certainly it did, but it went to number one across europe as well she's a lovely lady it did it, it did it. it topped the spanish charts for 11 weeks in the summer of 1994 and that's where uk holiday makers were hearing it while on vacation and there was just a huge demand for it and eventually it was released in the uk as well the hip-hop genre that was continuing to flourish in 94 acts like dr to Dre, Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Ice-T, all releasing new material. In the summer of 1994, this song was the breakout single for West Coast rapper Warren G and singer Nate Dogg. 
It sampled 1984's Michael McDonald's hit, I Keep Forgetting, which you can hear here. Michael McDonald. <laughs> Warren G, brilliant stuff, regularly. And this was also the year where arguably the greatest rap lyricist of all time, the notorious B.I.G., released his debut album entitled, with a lot of foreshadowing here, yeah. Ready to Die. This was one of the album's biggest hits called Juicy. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Ron G, Brucey B, kick it free. Funk master flex, love bug star ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. That line, if you don't know, now you know. Have you noticed that's used a lot by Dana White? Is it really? Yeah, he says it all the time in press conferences and social media content. He's adopted it as a bit of a moniker. If you don't know, now you know. And that album made huh. B.I.G. a central figure in East Coast hip-hop. It restored New York's visibility during a time when the West Coast was dominating hip-hop music with the likes of Dr. Dre and Tupac as well. Um, as hip-hop was growing in popularity, so was R&B back in 1994. TLC were releasing a lot of huge hits, and one of the biggest R&B tracks of the year came from a country song. I'm going to play you the country song, then I'm going to play you the R&B version of it, because this was the original by John Michael Montgomery. I swear by the moon and the stars and the sky Okay, so take that song, right. add R&B group All For One <laughs> into the mix, and you get this unbelievably cheesy version. I now, Chris, this was the second biggest selling single on the what Billboard Hot 100 of the year. It was actually in the Billboard Hot 100 for 11 weeks. Is it really? Yeah. I it's mean, cheese. it's pure it. cheese. Pure cheese. Um, we've already heard Live Forever. Britpop indie music was, was really making a strong emergence in the mid-90s. And we've heard Live Forever, but the rivalry that was developing in the Britpop world was with Oasis and Blur. And this song is from their incredibly critically acclaimed debut album, Park Life. of this song but I would always lean towards Oasis Me too. more than Blur and I think that that's the consensus opinion I think I think so I've got a few mates that would maybe do Blur but no, for me it was always Oasis but that song I actually did like yeah, the cover of the album, by the way, is actually depicts some greyhound racing, which was taken in 1988 at Romford Stadium in Essex. Right. And the photographer couldn't believe, a guy called Bob Thomas could not believe that this band wanted to use his pick of a couple of greyhounds racing at a random track 
for the album. And then he would have kicked himself because as soon as the album went to the top of the charts, he must have sold it for a pittance. Yeah, of course. Wow. Hey, listen, at least it's made its way And it became one of the most iconic album covers in recent years. Okay, just quickly looking at the pop charts. The biggest selling single on the Billboard Hot 100 chart this year was this. Do you love it? Love Ace it. of Bass. The biggest selling single of the year. That is my kind of musical taste that have been shaped by my <laughs> sister. That's what happens when you've got a sister nine years older than you, Rob. Oh, dear. Sanjay wants to rescind his score of a 10 for 1993. He wants to alter that to a 9.9, and he's going to give this one a 9.99. Yeah, he's a big fan then of 1994. Uh, wait, wait till you hear the sport. You know, you've got to make a ju- all-round judgment, mm. you know? Sport was a good year in 1994, though. Sport was a good year. It's decent. Yeah, Brazil, of course, won the World Cup. Yeah. Held for the first time in the United States. And why don't you furnish some details on the tournament, Chris? Obviously, that Brazilian team, a legendary team. Bebeto, Romario, Cafu, Dunga. Yeah, Dunga. They they were... That's a great side, don't get me wrong. Bebeto, of course, famous celebration. Italy in the final, Franco Baresi played... I mean, he had a serious knee injury and he played it like a Rolls Royce, but it's a terrible final, nil-nil. It would eventually be won on penalties. It was the tournament that we saw Sweden, Bulgaria, with Aristo Stoichkov. Stoichkov, yeah. We saw... That's right, England missed it. England did miss it. It's probably why it was such a blooming good tournament, in all <laughs> honesty. They weren't there. I didn't have to worry about the distractions with that. But, yeah, 1994 was my first. Diana Ross, I think, missed comically missed a penalty yeah, she into an open goal. She had one thing to do and she missed. Another person who missed a penalty was this man. So the pendulum has swung wildly against Italy now. Roberto Baggio, the saviour of Italy throughout this tournament. He's missed it! And Brazil! Now, on the weekend, I missed a three-foot putt for a half in a birthday golf match, and I wanted the ground to swallow me up. Can you imagine missing a penalty in a World Cup final shootout? And the divine ponytail, Roberto Baggio, who was the, the, the poster boy of that Italy side. And for him to miss it and forever be remembered for that, I mean, yeah, talk about, yeah, letting your country down in that manner. Oh, it was horrible. the first World Cup final to be decided on penalties. Mm. I'm not going to let you answer this, Chris, but there has been one subsequently. We'll throw it out there to 4001. Oh, yeah, one subsequently yeah. decided on penalties. Don't answer okay, it. Fine. We know you know the answer, yeah, yeah. but can anyone listening tell us the answer? One World Cup final since 1994 to also be decided on penalties. And a quick word on that commentator there, who for my money, the very best. You know me, I'm a big fan of Clive Tildesley, I'm a big fan of Martin Tyler. I think that Peter Drury is incredible, but Brian Moore mm. was the master of his craft. He was great. He was brilliant. Amazing commentator. In Premier League football, Man United repeated their league win from yeah. the previous year, but Did they the added double. the FA Cup to secure what was then a rare double. It's yeah, more it common these days. Um, but in the FA Cup final, they crushed Chelsea 4-0 with Eric Cantona scoring twice from the penalty spot. So that'll get some extra brownie points in the ledger of Chris McCarty. In the second year of Champions League football, AC Milan put in one of the great performances to win the European Cup. They beat Barcelona 4-0 in the final with goals from Massaro, Savi- uh, Savicevic and Marcel Desailly. 
The Barca team, I found out, Chris, featured both Pep Guardiola and Shiki Bagerestein. Yeah, they did. They were the dream team. Johan Cruyff's dream team, much fancied going in. And as you rightly point out, AC Milan produced just a devastating performance. The dream team was crushed and it will undoubtedly go down as one of the great European Cup final performances. In cricket, it was a year that saw the retirement of the Aussie great Alan Border, but also the emergence of West Indian Brian Lara, who scored 375 runs in a single day against England. He later that year scored 390 in a single day and a total of 500 runs in a county cricket match, which still stands. His 501 not out for Warwickshire against Durham at Edgebaston in 1994 is the highest score by an individual in first-class cricket. And he actually recounts here a few details of that innings. First of all, I got dropped when I was 18. And uh, I think everyone forgot as well. I got bowled with a no-ball. And I remember taking a single and going to the non-striker's end and telling the umpire because I was on a pretty good run where I had about five or six centuries straight. I said, I think it's come to an end. I think, you know, the form is is gone. Uh, Well, a couple of days later, you know what happened. <laughs> it's very self, self-deprecating, is, is Brian. Probably, yeah, he's just made five hundred and one. Caught up with the man many a time, and yeah, brilliant! What a player! What a player! Now, Michael Schumacher won his first drivers' championship that year, driving for Benetton. But of course, the the, the entire sporting year was marred by the tragedy which took place at Imola, where Ayrton Senna was was killed in an accident during a weekend where also Roland Ratzenberger also died. I I was riveted by the documentary, which is just a portrait of an exceptionally talented individual and someone who was very much his own man and and did things his own way as Mm. well, drove in a certain style. He was an outlier in a lot of ways, wasn't he, Ayrton? And you're absolutely right. The the, the Senna documentary, if you haven't watched it, you've got to to do just that. An incredible portrayal of the man. Yeah, cut down in his prime. I mean, tragic. Uh, utterly tragic and, and you're right actually to, to mention Roland Ratzenberger because I often feel that's overshadowed he yeah. lost his, his San, San Marino Imola right in San that's Marino. right the, that, that was the previous day and if you watch the documentary there is an awful lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear around the safety of the cars during that particular time and actually this became a turning point in the history of F1 it prompted the implementation of new safety measures in both Formula One racing itself and in the circuit in question, as well as the Grand Prix Drivers Association to be re-established. The Supreme Court of Cassation of Italy ruled that mechanical failure was the cause of the crash, although this has actually been disputed quite a lot in subsequent years. Senna won three world championships. I mean, he's considered to be among the greatest of all time, certainly in terms of talent, in terms of his ability to drive in wet conditions as well. And another potential great Mm. of all time, Michael Schumacher, emerged that year to win his first ever world title. Elsewhere, Pete Sampras continued his domination of men's tennis. He won down under. He won at Wimbledon, beating Ivanisevic in straight sets in a very boring final. It was a final dominated by big serves. I think it was something like 45-odd aces in between in a straight sets match, which Sampras won 7-6, love. Steffi Graf won in Australia. Conchita Mont- Martinez won the Wimbledon title. In golf, Ernie Els won the first of two US Opens. Nick Price won the Open. And Jose Maria Alathabal captured the first of two green jackets at the mm. Masters. So that was the year in sports. How do we rate 1994, Chris? Oh, as close to a 10 as you possibly can get. Again, it's in my wheelhouse. I gave a 10 to 1993. I'm going to give a 10 once more, Rob. So I gave, I gave an 8.5 to 1993. I'm going to give this a 9.5. 
this oh. to me. Film-wise, Pulp Fiction might just be my favourite film. Shawshank Redemption is not far behind it. So you only need two two potential greats in a list. And they've great, got other great films as well. Great sporting year as it was. Yeah, right up there. And some and nostalgic me- music. It could be a contender. It could be enough. 1994. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. Thank you for listening to The Time Capsule. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do, if you've got a moment, give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.